Spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus saw the clouds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn. For they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God, and blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, I don't know about you all, but I don't have a lot of, like, real clear memories from childhood. A few. A few, right? Like a particular birthday party or trip or holiday. Yeah, that's right. But for the most part, what I've got are kind of generic sentiments, right? Vague feelings about particular people or places. So, for example, when I think about, like, the park near our house growing up or the old holiday pool, good feelings, happy sentiments. When I think about the allergy doc that I had to see each week to get my shot, not good feelings. I think for most of us, right, growing up's like that, a few key memories stick, but for the most part, what you're left with are a kind of general sense of things. And there was one thing in my life as a kid that had um, sort of universally positive feelings attached, and that was St. Teresa, my home parish, my school. It was our literal home away from home. It's where we spent virtually all of our time. It's where almost all of our relationships were, except those that were family, that were, um, you know, that, that were beyond. I do remember, though, a few specific things about St. Teresa. I remember in kindergarten, we were having some kind of a toy drive for, for poor kids, and we just couldn't get enough people to bring in toys. So then one kid went home, and he gathered up all of his toys, every toy that he owned, and put them in a big bag, 
and carried it to, to school and gave it to the principal and said, here, give these to the kids with no toys. This, of course, shamed the rest of the class into bringing all the toys that they were supposed to. I remember when Mrs. King died, she had a son in the class ahead of me, and she worked in the, in the cafeteria downstairs. And, and I remember us, because she was one of the lunch ladies, I remember the whole school being walked across the parking lot for the funeral. And it was the very first funeral I'd ever attended, was the first funeral for most of us. And it was weird and, and a little bit scary, and also desperately important, because the school and the parish taught us how to grieve. I remember when the boys in our scout troop built uh, the baseball field and then went beyond and, and built a large, kind of like the community garden that we have here, and how other kids made fun of us for putting that much time and energy into it, but every time we'd be playing on the ball field or working in the garden, we knew it was ours because we built it. I remember, I remember being brought to the Catholic Worker House and the St. Mary's Family Shelter and the soup kitchen that used to be down at the Basilica and taught not only to make food for the poor, to serve the poor, but to befriend the poor, to sit with them at table and share the meal that you've made for them, to learn their names and their stories. I remember getting in trouble in big and small ways, learning both how to forgive and how to be forgiven, especially in that in-between period when you're not sure how much trouble you're still left in. I remember when Father Bob Hafler preached a homily against porn because a bunch of kids had brought Playboys into the junior high. Well, that's the only thing we have to worry about these days. But I remember, I remember him preaching this stunning homily against porn and then calling for a boycott of the local get-and-go. And get-and-go changing their corporate policy because of a sermon given by one priest. I remember busting up fights and getting caught in a few myself, and, and I remember the pain of being accused of doing something I didn't do, even by a teacher or coach that you trusted. I remember getting teased by my classmates. Uh, this was more at Dowling than St. Teresa, but being teased by my classmates for being poor, because I had to work maintenance to work off my tuition, and being teased by my public school friends for being rich, because I went to Dowling. I remember being teased by my homeschool friends for not being Catholic enough and by other friends for being way too Catholic. You couldn't win. I remember the elderly whose funerals I served as a kid, some of whose names I can still remember and remember as a priest at the altar, people that you know, sat two pews over from my family or, or lived around the corner and we might have mowed the lawn for. I remember all these things, and as I look back at it, right, they were Beatitudes. The little boy giving away his toys was poor in spirit. That experience of getting in trouble huh, was mercy. Poor Mrs. King's death was grief. You see what's happening here. The Beatitudes aren't simply um, like a job description for the Christian life. There's something so much deeper. They're, they're so important, like so important, like Ten Commandments style important. And I don't think we always appreciate that the way that we should. But Jesus acts like Moses, going up the mountain, sitting down in front of everybody and making them all stand up, and then him saying, you've heard it said this way, but I say... And yet, Jesus giving 
the rule book, as it were, for the Christian life, doesn't offer us any rules. There's no do's or don'ts in there at all. And that's important because it's not <clears throat> in particular or discrete actions that we're going to earn our salvation. It is rather in the kind of dispositions, the virtues and the habits that we carry, the default settings in our soul that we come to encounter grace and so can be saved. Not earning our own way into heaven, but being sucked in, incorporated into God's own life. That's, that's what we're trying to do here at Christ the King. In the parish, in the school, in the daycare, in the clinic, in the housing, in the, everything that we do. That's what we're about, is we're trying to create a space where people, young and old, can have a real, living, human, personal encounter with the Lord Jesus, to know him as their Lord, and serve him as their King. That's what we're trying to do as we build a community where it's easy for people to be good, where it's hard to be bad, where you have to like actively work against the whole structure to be bad, and to help one another grow in goodness and virtue and grace. The latest news <clears throat> concerning uh, private school funding here in the state of Iowa has a lot of people really, really upset on both sides of the thing. There's just a lot of emotions around this this week, and that's entirely understandable. I get it, because we do all have a vested interest in ensuring the success of our local public schools. And this parish, specifically, has always had way more of the children of the parish attend public schools than the parish school here at Christ the King. And people of goodwill can and probably ought to disagree over which precise funding models are best both for our public school system and for the private schools uh, that likewise support it. But what we can't disagree on, <clears throat> whether we're public school families or Catholic school families or homeschool families, is that our overall goal in forming our young people should not be simply to equip them to be good citizens in the world, but to be citizens of heaven, to develop those skills and dispositions necessary not only to live a life of virtue, but also a life of grace, and to build up those memories, those sentiments, those, those feelings that ultimately shift into convictions that make us more and more like Jesus. The bishops of this country every year focus our attention on Catholic schools at this time because of the Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas, which would be today. St. Thomas is the great patron of our Catholic schools, and when he was being canonized, when they were making him a saint a few years after his death, they gathered together a lot of testimony and there were still people running around that knew him. And there was not a single story that anybody told that was really miraculous in the ordinary sense. Nobody came and said, you know, he was floating over the bed at night or, you know, he threw his coat on the chair and it healed a cripple or anything like that. What they said over and over again was, he simply seemed to be the real deal. He was a genuinely poor, humble man who gave his life to study and preaching. That is, to learning about Christ, whatever he was studying, and to sharing what he'd learned of Christ with everyone that he could. That's the mission of our schools. So, <clears throat> what I'm going to ask you to do now 
is look in your pews. Pull out those envelopes. So here's the deal. You've got the envelope, and then you've got the, the pledge card, right? Now, those of you that are registered received a mailing with all this stuff weeks ago, and that's fine. If you've already filled one out, don't feel obliged to, but you're certainly welcome to, and I'd like you to consider doing so for this reason. The goal here is to get everybody to write down what they're gonna do for the campaign, whether that's the amount of money that you've already pledged, which is fine, doesn't hurt us to have two copies of the same, uh, the same pledge, or if you're gonna re-up the pledge, or if you were dragging your feet on this and hoping I'd shut up and I didn't, and now you're stuck, or if you know you can't give right now because things are tough, and I know they are, that you are genuinely going to commit to praying. And there's a, a box to tick if you're going to support us by prayer. And if you're doing that, what I want you to do is write underneath how you plan to do that. Decade of the rosary a day or something like that. But write down something specific. Don't just say generally, I'm going to be supportive in my prayer, Father and the Bishop. Nope, not good enough. I need something real and concrete that you can hold yourself accountable to. Because those prayers do matter. <clears throat> those prayers do ultimately affect the ultimate, uh, the end goal of the campaign. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to literally sit down for a minute or two and give you guys time to look at this and figure out what you can do. But here's what I want you to remember. This isn't simply like some sort of sideways way of fundraising in the middle of church. The reason that we do this in the context of the liturgy is because when we give when we make an offering, whether it's to the church or even just in our own care of the poor in the community, that shouldn't just be an act of kindness. For us, that's always an act of worship. And so what we're going to do then is at the offertory, rather than pass the basket as usual, I'm going to invite you to come forward and put your slips in the basket. And I'll have baskets at the regular communion stations, basically. So just come up like communion. Those of you that can't come up, ushers will be walking by and you can just raise your hand and they'll put it in for you. But what I want you to think about as you do this is what you can give God that he can take then and transform and so offer back to you. If you support the campaign, the priest retirement and the, the seminarian fund and the schools, then you'll wind up with more and better priests. And I will have some place to go when my voice finally gives out. And we'll have schools that make disciples for the generations yet to come. <clears throat>